listening to Vet Candy. Hi, I'm Caitlin Palmer. Thanks for joining me today. This is the Desk Winch Confessions. Let me tell you a little bit about myself. I'm Caitlin Palmer, AKA the Desk Winch. A desk winch is a profession very similar to a veterinary receptionist, only better. We deal with not only fractious felines and cranky canines, oh no, we overcome their human equivalents as well, Karen and Chad. On my show, we validate vets and their support staff and any of you other amazing folks listening. Now, let me introduce you to today's guest. Today, I am so happy to have with me Dr. Stacy Cordovano. Dr. Stacy Cordovano, she says she's just the girl trying to figure out how to live her best life. She's a wife, a mom of two boys, an equine vet, practice owner, and podcaster. Stacy founded Clay Creek Equine Veterinary Services in 2010 and provides ambulatory care to the horses throughout southeastern Pennsylvania. Struggling with burnout and compassion fatigue herself, Stacy started the Whole Veterinarian podcast in 2020 as a way to help other veterinarians to learn strategies and find more joy in their daily lives. Well, welcome, Dr. Stacy. I'm so happy to have you today. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. So tell me, did you always know you wanted to be a veterinarian? I did. I'm pretty cliche. I think my mom says when I was three, I started saying it. Yes, yes. So do you do equine only or do you do mixed practice? I do equine only. I do have a chiropractic certification. So I do a little bit of dog chiropractic, but as far as the medicine goes, just horses. Nice. Is there, so why horses over dogs? I mean, I I know horses are great. I love horses, but what made you want to do large animal only as opposed to dogs and cats and pocket pets? I mean, I grew up riding and my cousin was an equine vet. So that is the first role model I had, I think. And I think it was just solidified in college. I worked at a small animal clinic all through college and being inside stuck with stinky anal glands just didn't do it for me. So that solidified the plan to go to vet school and do equine track. (laughs) Nice. So you started working in a vet clinic. You didn't go like just straight to, like you worked in a vet clinic before going to vet school. Yeah, I started volunteering um, in high school as soon as they would let me. I wanted to get as much experience as possible. And so I worked in a couple of small animal clinics and rode along with any equine vet that would take me. So you kind of got to see all the aspects of the clinic, not just the doctor. That's good. I bet that makes you a really good boss too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's important, I think, just to make sure. You got to do it all. You know, it makes you a good boss, I'm sure. So do you have a favorite kind of horse? That's a good question. I cannot say that I do. I have a couple soft spots. Quarter horses have a soft spot for me. That's what I grew up with. They're just usually little angels. And when I was getting my practice started, uh, I built it from the ground up. So I was a little bit slow when I first started. And I started working at a standard bred racetrack as a state veterinarian to help supplement my income. And I have to say that standard breds have a little soft spot in my heart because they are also the toughest creatures you might ever meet. But no, I love them all. All of them. Yes. Oh gosh. Yes. I love minis. I love quarter horses. And I know this is kind of a cliche fairy tale girl horse, but the Frisian. I got to watch, it was called the Gala of the Royal Horses and it was like the Lipizzans and they were doing the dressage and 
when the Frisians came out, I was like, oh, mom, I want that horse. I want that horse. I want that horse. They are stunning. They are tricky to work on, I will say. They are one of the trickier breeds. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they have some interesting quirks. And if they're going to have, if a horse is going to have a weird disease, it tends to be a Frisian. Really? I didn't know that. What are they prone to? There's just a couple um, genetic things. And then like they're harder to sedate. They're just a little bit less reliable than other animals. <laughs> right. <laughs> but they're pretty. They're like the collies of the horse world, huh? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good comparison. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. That's on my bucket list of, of dogs as I want a collie. And I was reading all the different things about them. I'm like, dang it. Why do I only want stuff that gets problems? <laughs> Oh, because you work in vet med. Because we work in vet med. It's right. That's what it is. So tell me about starting your own practice. Did you work under another vet and then you started your own? Yeah. So I did a one-year general ambulatory internship at a sports medicine and um, general practice in North Jersey. And then I continued with that practice and did another sort of secondary sports medicine-focused internship. And it was at that point, 2009, 2010, and there weren't any jobs. So I had always envisioned becoming a practice owner, but I was sort of forced into it a little bit early. And luckily my grandmother gave me a loan. And so I started with a little SUV and driving around. And yeah, that's where the um, extra income from the state job came in for the first two years. And then it just slowly grew. And I'm in my 12th year now and um, just hired a second associate this past year. So we're now to doctor practice. That's awesome. Look at you. She's doing hot girl shit. That's great. I thought I'd be solo forever just because it seemed easier. But I have to say adding an associate has been um, an interesting and exciting challenge and change. Yeah. And that gives you more time for yourself and your, your own well-being to have that that work-life balance, which I didn't know was a thing until a few years ago. I was like, wait, what? Yeah, I'm not sure it's exactly a thing. <laughs> we, can, we can try for it. Yeah, it's like it's trying to be a thing. It's Schrodinger's thing. Like it's both there and not there at the same time. So you have your own podcast and it's really good. And I would definitely encourage everybody to go listen to it. And we'll link it in the show notes. But it's The Whole Veterinarian. <laughs> We'll be right back with more Vet Candy. Put the needle on the record. Vet Candy Life is a talk show hosted by well-being gurus, Dr. Quincy Hawley and Renee Michelle. Each episode features expert tips, lifestyle advice, and real-life experiences from the most interesting people in the world. Check it out on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and more. How did that come about? What made you decide to start a podcast? In 2018, I had a one-year-old and a three-and-a-half-year-old, and I was diagnosed with Lyme disease that year. I had my appendix out on Thanksgiving Day after cooking dinner for everyone. And I just took a moment to look around and was like, I'm barely keeping my head above water here. This is a struggle. So it was like a pretty classic burnout story. There was nothing 
drastic that happened. My clients were good. I didn't have a tech at the time, so it, it felt a little overwhelming with the amount of office work I was doing on top of my day job and parenting, but it wasn't anything out of the ordinary for a lot of people. But my husband had recently introduced me to a couple podcasts and I started listening to them and realizing how helpful a podcast could be. And I realized that, you know, personal development was a thing. I didn't even know that was a thing. I just thought there were like self-help books in the bookstore and they were woo-woo. And, you know, I just didn't even realize because all I'd done for my whole life was focus on learning how to be a good veterinarian. And once I was exposed to some of those topics, I realized how beneficial they could be. And I just thought if I could create something that allowed my colleagues to hear small snippets about different topics of personal development, maybe I could help them as well. And it was recently after one of the first well-being studies, and it was around the time of the New York Times article about our suicide rate. And I just felt called to do something bigger for my colleagues. And it was something that fills my bucket is sort of giving back. And that was a community that I thought I could help. So I started the Instagram account first just to see if I could keep up with putting out, sharing content. Then nobody really thought I could do a podcast because I didn't have the time or skill, really. I, I mean, I didn't know how to do a podcast, right? So I signed myself up for a course and I did all the homework. And because I'm, you know, a vet student, I follow the rules and do my assignments. I ended up with a podcast and it's been so fulfilling. It's so fun to talk to people and meet new people. And we would never have connected if I didn't probably didn't have a podcast. And so... I keep up with it. It's a labor of love for sure because I produce everything myself, but it's very fulfilling and the feedback that I get has been so positive that I am excited to keep it going. I, The next sort of series coming out is going to be focused on equine vets in particular. In general, I kind of talk to everyone in the veterinary community, but um, the next six or so are going to be horse focused because we are in a particularly dire crisis. Not that everyone's not in vet med, but we do not have many graduates coming in and we have practitioners because of the age group are retiring three times at the rate of what are coming in. So we're going to dive into that and see what we can do for equine medicine. Yeah. Hey, let's talk about that real quick. So why, why do you think less people are going into equine medicine specifically? You know, it's similar to all of the problems that we have in veterinary medicine, but in particular, it's highlighted in equine medicine because our salaries average about 20000 less as a starting salary than small animal. Really? I would have thought more. Okay. Nope. <laughs> and there's also a bigger gender difference in wages. So I think the most recent study showed negligible wage difference for starting salaries of small animal vets and a ten dollars to $15,000 wage difference for fe- uh, male to female equine vets just starting out. And then, of course, we have the on-call, which, you know, people don't want to sign up for. Horses don't colic during business hours. They just don't, you know. <laughs> I also kind of think, and this is a huge gen- generalization, but equine business management is, I think, a bit behind small animals. So we're a bit outdated as far as being willing to do emergency cooperatives. We're a bit outdated on pricing. We're a bit outdated on how far we'll drive to see a client. You know, like three hours to do a couple hundred bucks is is not worth it. And 
people are still doing it. So those are some of the biggest reasons why we are not getting enough new grads. We're getting about 1% and then within of all graduating vets. And then within the first five years, we lose half of those again. Yeah, our practice is, is mixed animal, but we mostly, we do the dogs and cats in the clinic and then horses and cows, they do farm calls. But we're so busy in the clinic with the dogs and cats. It's so hard to get somebody out to go see a horse. And I mean, you know, they're they're colicking. They've got something wrong. They need somebody. and You can't just leave, you know, so that's, I wish we had. Yeah, we're all swamped for sure. And, you know, and even support staff is hard to find, I'm sure, on both ends. So that makes us all less efficient. And yeah, it's a struggle right now for sure. Sure. Do you have a receptionist or... Does your tech do all that? I do not, no. Mm -mm. (gasps) You need a desk winch. I do. (laughs) I do. I struggle to know how that would fit exactly. I'm sure there's a part-time role and someone that would fit right in. I I have struggled to find that person, but it's probably on the horizon now that I have an associate and actual time to plan. (laughs) So yeah, that's a good idea. That'll be the ad name, Desk Wench for equine vet practice. Desk Wench, yes, yes, hiring Desk Wench. Well, that's always been the struggle in my head, right? You know, I'm going to have to do so much explaining that it almost would be simpler. And so, yeah, I have a bit more office time now that I have an associate. So, yeah, we'll see where the balance lies. But I will keep Desk Wench in the back of my head for sure. Yes, yes, Desk Wench should always, I mean, it's... A virtual desk winch. There you go. There you go. I know when I first started desk winching and scheduling farm calls, you know, I would be looking at the time slots and I go, okay, well, they can go here and then they can go here. Not thinking, oh, wait, this place is like 45 minutes from this other place. <laughs> they actually have to drive. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, in your head, you're just looking at it and like, oh, okay, well, look, you have this. Yeah. So that was one of the things I got fussed at a couple of times and I was like, I'm sorry. I didn't know. Just don't have common sense. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Small animals, so much more efficient than we are. (laughs) Right. That's awesome. So you have seven habits to support mental well-being. And you have a whole whole episode about it, and everybody should still go look at that. But would you mind giving us the the cliff notes of that, of your seven habits to support mental well-being? Yeah, these are just seven things that have worked for me over the past three years to kind of dig my way out of sort of burnout, compassion, fatigue, and overwhelm. And I originally put the list together for the Veterinary Financial Summit. They have a great uh, community and a great online um, CE, and they asked me to do a little talk. So I just started thinking. And actually, the first thing is giving yourself time to think, because I think we fill our, our days so full that you're not really planning your day. You're just letting your life kind of run you. So setting aside time to reflect and plan is a big part of well-being. And then number two would be practicing gratitude. There's so much research behind gratitude practice and how it can affect a positive outlook for weeks and weeks to come, even if you just do it for one week. It's very easy. You can just think at the end of the day, what are three things that went well today or what are three things that worked out for me today or what are three things that made me happy today? There's also a great journal called the five-minute journal from Amazon that works really well. A third thing is to focus on cultivating your own small moments of joy. That's a question that I ask at 
the end of all my episodes is what is one small thing that has brought you joy this week? And I think it's important because we tend to overlook small things that we could focus on. And we also tend not to plan in joy, right? So it's easy to plan 10 minutes of something that makes you happy and you know you have that to look forward to at the end of the day, like a perfect cup of tea or, you know, like a trashy novel that you love reading or things like that. Super easy. A big one for me is self-compassion. So again, a ton of research, uh, mostly started by Dr. Kristen Neff, but ton of research supporting the fact that self-compassion and a common humanity will increase your overall well-being and decrease rates of depression. So just telling yourself like, I'm only human. This happens to everybody. I did the best I could. And honestly, coming up with a little mantra that works for you as an individual that doesn't feel weird to say, just so you have it in your back pocket is really handy. And Another big one is financial wellness, and that's a huge topic, right? That's a whole separate podcast. Yeah, yeah. that's really, it literally is a whole podcast, not even just an episode. Getting a handle on your finances will allow you to feel more comfortable every day. I mean, that's not something you work on necessarily every day, but it will allow you to feel more comfortable every day, just knowing that you're saving in the right areas and that you have enough money to make it through the month on your expenses and things like that. And I have a really basic family budget that I'm happy to share with anybody if they want to reach out and I can send our Excel spreadsheet to them because it does get overwhelming. I understand that. And my husband likes spreadsheets and he made it. And so I'm stealing it from him and I'm happy to share with anybody. Getting outside of your comfort zone on a regular basis is so important. And honestly, the podcast, and when I said that no one thought I could do it and I almost did it to prove them wrong, It was so good for me to challenge myself because I didn't know how to do it. And I had gotten really comfortable in my vet career, right? I was in that like eight years, eight year period and you're feeling very comfortable and you have a good client base and things are very status. And honestly, I think I got like a little bit stagnant and learning something new was so helpful. And I've heard multiple people talk about it. You know, maybe I just pay attention more to it, but like you need to keep challenging yourself in order to continue to feel happy and fulfilled in your life. And then the last really important thing for me is finding community. So that can be anywhere, right? You know, I am lucky to have a group of other equine vets that we're all very close and we can share case questions or life questions. I'm lucky to have a mom group that I'm a part of. There's so many veterinary communities to be a part of, even just Instagram, like, you know, the hashtag Vetstagram, like on Instagram, the veterinary community is like really supportive. So if you're not involved with that, like, and you're on Instagram, my suggestion would be to start following some people because it's a super positive and helpful place. Um, But that being said, you know, there's so many things, religious organizations, just somewhere that you feel supported in kind of growing and becoming a healthier and happier person. Finding your tribe. Yeah. 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 Those are my seven things that have helped me and hopefully one or two will help someone else. We'll be right back with more Vet Candy.
Vet Candy IRL is an exciting podcast from the hearts, minds, and mouths of Shannon Gregoire, Tatiana Rogers, and Lexi Rodriguez. The show celebrates inspirational role models and focuses on empowerment and equality. Check it out on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and more. I do every now and then I'll do a five-minute guided meditation. And one of the things, like you said, is just think of something today that brought you joy. It could be something real simple. It could be something real good. And, you know, it's you know it, just getting in that mindset of, oh, you know, I helped this person. They were so happy. And then you kind of get to relive that happy moment and just sit in it for a minute. It does. It, it helps you get through whatever the next thing is. Yeah, our brains, it's called negativity bias. Our brains are trained to go to the negative. That's what kept us alive when we were cave people, right? Like it's there for a reason. It's there for everybody, right? That's why we all have anxiety about certain things. But it's not that helpful to us anymore. So we have to try to train our brains to think about the positive that's happened and, you know, forgive ourselves for the things that didn't go quite as well. But it's so easy to dwell on the one negative versus like the eight, clients that were super nice and appreciative. Right. It's always the the Karens that almost they seem like they win whenever someone's mean to you. And, you know, I, I carry that with me. I'm like, oh my gosh, this person said that I don't care about their pet and that I'm just this evil bitch. And logically, I know that's not true, but it's still, it hurts you. And I think it's especially because because we're in the vet field, because we do love the people and the, their animals and we want to help them. And yeah, I mean, that's like a dagger to the heart when people say that for sure. But I think it is partly on us, like our own responsibility to let those ones go and focus on the good ones. Exactly. One of my friends once told me, "You can, some people are just shit, you know? <laughs> exactly. It's true. We're working with the public at the end of the day. We hate the public. <laughs> Don't tell them that. We have to keep the, keep the facade up. <laughs> exactly. You're right. You're right. This is a safe space. This is the Desk Wench Confession. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's so funny how they do that, how they, if you let them in, it'll ruin your day. It is. Yeah, it's easy to do. If you're not intentional about it, it is easy to let it. And like, I, it still happens to me. Don't get me wrong. I don't do these seven things every day. But if you can just catch yourself even once, then it just starts getting easier and easier to start reframing. Yes. And I've found having a good team, good coworkers, that, you know, it's validating when someone's like, wow, that lady was a bitch to you just now. You know, it's it's like, oh, good. It wasn't me that was doing something wrong or whatever. So that's always good, too. What's the craziest thing you've ever had a client fuss at you for? I know it's it's innumerable. I recent well, they didn't fuss at me, but I just was done with them when we worked really hard to get this cellulitis leg under control. And it was, of course, an emergency. And then they couldn't be there at the time we could be there. And, you know, we just went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And then we followed up, how's it going? Do you want us to drop off antibiotics? And she said, oh, I switched barns and my new barn manager decided to switch the antibiotics. So we're all set. And I was just like, <laughs> like there's almost no words, right? Like we bend over backwards and then you're taking medical advice from a random person off the street. Oh, I didn't know your barn manager was a veterinarian. Yeah, those ones are so hard for me. I guess 
I think those ones are harder for me than someone just being ridiculous and like fussing. I have great relationships with my clients. It's part of my practice model has been to fire people that I don't get along with. So I have to say it doesn't happen all that often. And I'm lucky to be in a situation where I can kind of pick and choose since I'm the boss, right? But I think, you know, if someone calls about a pre-purchase that I don't know well and they fuss about a price or they're upset, I guess those ones are pretty easy for me to let them roll off my back because I just am like, well, you're entitled and you have your own stuff going on. But it's the ones where we've worked really hard and feel like we have a relationship with someone and then they go and just throw that all out the window and get advice from the lay dentist or yeah, the barn manager. Those ones are the ones that like I have a harder time dealing with. Sure, that hurts us. So there's all of this stuff going on, you know, between working with the public, handling negative reviews, the pandemic challenges, all that serious psychological distress. And they're saying that in some studies, it seems more so the support staff than the veterinarian. What What are your thoughts on that? That is in line with what I've read as well. Certainly the burnout studies and well-being studies that I've read do seem to show that depression and suicide rates are actually higher in support staff than veterinarians. And, you know, I, I would love people to dig into that more. My, the first thought when I read that is, of course, as I said, financial wellness is an important component of overall well-being. So does the financial role play a factor in that, right? You know, our support staff aren't ever paid nearly enough. And not that veterinarians are rolling in the dough, but they certainly have higher salaries than the support staff. Well, sure, yeah. So I wonder if that does play a factor or, you know, the fact that they have shown that autonomy and decision-making plays a big role in burnout. I wonder if the fact that support staff aren't, you know, taken seriously by management or even asked at all. I wonder if that, or like they feel like they can't enact change. I wonder if that has something to do with it. It's obviously really important to dig more into. So I'm hopeful that everyone who's studying this stuff will really kind of try to tease out ways to support our you know, paraprofessional staff, because obviously we can't do our jobs very well without them. Right. Yeah, we're, we're important guys. Like us support staff people, we're where it's at. I, every veterinarian I know knows that. So I don't know who's who doesn't know that, but maybe maybe some of the higher up somewhere don't know that. But every veterinary I know, every veterinarian I know is absolutely adores their staff. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people say they have a healthy coping mechanism, but then very few people actually implement those or, and, and everybody says, yeah, I'd be interested in doing some little thing that's going to make me feel better every day. Yeah. For sure. It's hard. It's hard to focus on yourself when you're feeling pulled in a zillion directions, right? We all have different priorities, but we often get put at the bottom of that priority list. And that probably has to do with, you know, we self-select for that as being caregivers and people that are willing to devote our lives and careers to saving animals. That probably coincides somewhat. So I think it's just important you know, that old saying, like, you can't pour from an empty cup, right? It's so cliche, but I think it's just important for veterinary professionals, anyone involved, to remember 
that if we're not taking care of ourselves, then there's not going to be anyone left to take care of the pets, right? So it has to get higher on the priority list. And there are easy things to do. I mean, like we kind of mentioned, we ran through some really quick things, but like just even just the gratitude moment or just the joy moment, like those things can happen in five or 10 minutes. So it doesn't have to be this major life shift, but it does have to start to get higher on the priority list or it will never happen. We'll be right back with more Vet Candy. Want to improve your clinical competence? Check out Vet Candy's Master Course in Ophthalmology. The Master Course is taught by Dr. DJ Hoisler, a board-certified ophthalmologist, and delivers a thorough evaluation of the science and clinical practice skills needed to master the ophthalmic disease. And when you complete the course, you receive exclusive tools to celebrate, recognize, and share your accomplishment. What's even more exciting? The course is free and provides race and New York State approved continuing education credits. This master course is brought to you by Centrix Animal Care with patented hyaluronic acid technology for everyday comfort for pets, including Oculonovus Biohance Gel Eye Drops Advanced Hydration for Dry Eyes and Oculan ES Biohance Ocular Repair Gel, supporting faster healing with fewer applications. What are you waiting for? Start learning today at myvetcandy.com slash I. Hey, lightning round, what are you grateful for right now? Oh, um, I am grateful for a sunny day today because it has been freezing here and snowy and we've got more snow coming. So I will appreciate working outside because generally I work outside almost all the time. Um, I will appreciate working outside in the sunshine when I can during the winter. Nice. Very good. Right now, I think that I'm thankful for, honestly, for remembering to bring a drink with me to work yesterday. Because today, due to... Important hydration. Right? Well, I don't know that it's any good for me, but it tastes good. <laughs> but uh, I um, to this today has been a little crazy. One of my dogs has been sick. So I've been kind of running, running late for everything, having to stop and clean up after him and all of that. And I didn't have a chance to stop and get something to drink. And I remembered, oh, I left a drink here yesterday. So that was, that worked out good. But so this article, um, Vet Candy, which we love, put out a, a study reveals increase in distress among veterinary professionals, which is what we had been talking about. The shortage of veterinary staff, concerns throughout the pandemic, concerns 81% of staff and 67% of veterinarians face challenges. So it's, it's a lot of people. There's a lot of people struggling right now. It is. Yeah, I think that's that's Vet Candy reporting on the AVMA uh, well-being report. And it is. And, and I think the pandemic has only increased that. I think they showed that almost half of veterinary staff and a third of veterinarians report high levels of burnout. And so those are increasing. And, you know, we all, we don't need to repeat how, like, how the pandemic has <laughs> made it harder for us, like, obvious. Sure. Oh, yeah. No, we know. That's, that's a dead horse. Sorry. <laughs> it's just a reminder that it's so important that we have to make it a priority to change something about what, how we're doing our lives in order to 
decrease that rate. Like we don't want that rate to keep going up and up and up, right? So yeah, just highlights. Absolutely. So let's do a would you rather wellness edition because you're all about some wellness. That's great. Would you rather drink a hot cup of tea or an iced coffee? Iced coffee. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, it, it sounds less wellnessy, but that's, yeah, that's going to be my go-to for sure. It's, it's for our mental wellness, you know, <laughs> the caffeine we need. And it's good for the people around us because without it, sometimes we're not our best selves. Yeah, a little cranky. A little cranky without caffeine. Sure. Would you rather take a nice hot bubble bath or a nice hot shower? Definitely a bubble bath. I, I don't know that I've gotten one in several years because of my small children, but I, that would definitely be my choice. Right, right. Would you rather an hour to yourself to take a nap or an hour to yourself to read a book? Read a book, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a one-hour nap isn't long enough. I, my mind would just be racing. I would never fall asleep. Yeah, a, a good book would be, would be. it's actually, it is. I, I do try to make reading um, before bed a priority. It helps me kind of shut down my brain before falling asleep. So yeah, for sure, book. Mine too. I've noticed if I'm watching videos, because I love true crime, um, because I'm the very picture of just a white girl. I'm like, I love cats and murder. It's my favorite things. But um, if I'm watching videos, I'll stay up for hours and hours watching videos. But if I'm reading, it, it kind of puts me to sleep because it lets your yeah. brain kind of, I don't know if it's yeah. working it or if or what it does, but it, it, it makes me go to sleep. So tell me about your little ones. Do they want to be a vet when they grow up? Yeah, I don't think so. No. I mean, they very definitely know what I do. I think they see my days get disrupted a lot. So I'm not sure that they love, they love that. But no, one wants to be a built like a dam engineer and the other one. That's very specific. Yeah, it's very specific. Yeah. He's, he's six with a lot of opinions and the other one's four. So it wavers a lot, you know, there's like firefighter and astronaut. So yeah, that one's still working on it, but a horse vet doesn't come up all that often. He does ride. He does ride our pony, but that's about it. Does he? I bet as he gets older, he'll he'll probably be more interested in what you do, and you'll probably end up taking him to work with you and stuff. Yeah, yeah. They come occasionally, but it's tough. I find it hard to, you know, manage both things at once. So they tend to stay home, especially for emergencies. So yeah. Oh sure, sure. And emergencies are always when they're asleep. I know that's how it works here at our clinic. When our techs get called in for emergencies, their children are asleep. So then they got to load up the kids and come up. It's just the whole thing. I'm lucky. I have a lot of family nearby. So I get a lot of support that way. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. I don't have children. And I actually <laughs> was um, just a week ago, years old, to, uh, when I found out, I thought babies were born with their eyes closed like puppies and that their eyes had to open like puppies. <laughs> I was like, their eyes aren't even open yet. And someone's like, yeah, they are. I'm like, oh, yeah. I thought, I thought baby's eyes didn't open. <laughs> <laughs> well, you learn something new every day for sure. That was a big, that was a big learning one for you. <laughs> I was so embarrassed. I was like, oh my gosh. Okay. I mean, clearly I don't have children. So if anybody was wondering, now, you know, I'm actually bottle raising some baby rats and I've been catching a, a lot of crap about bottle raising the baby rats because they're pestilence. Like, why, why are you why are you raising those? I'm like, but they're baby pestilence. And they're starting to open their eyes. And that made me think, I was like, okay, so rats also have to wait to open their eyes. I, yeah, foals, like baby horses, 
born, eyes wide open. Yeah. I think that's probably maybe like a prey predator type thing. Hmm. That makes sense. So even like when they're first born, they come out eyes open? Yeah, yeah. Standing within two hours, ready to go. Did you hear about the woman who nursed her cat on the plane? I need I need to find out more about this. I had somebody once call about, um, about raising a puppy, and they were saying that uh, they were feeding it breast milk, like their breast milk. They just had a baby. And I was like, okay, my Uber's here. I have to go. Hopefully bottle feeding. Hopefully bottle I hope feeding. so. I hope you didn't have it latched. That would be so bad. Yeah, not the same antibody profile for sure. Exactly. That's that's actually what I said. I was like, you know, I don't I don't know how much that's going to really help him. You know, dogs do have separate needs than humans. <laughs> oh, this has been so much fun, Dr. Stacy. I appreciate you coming on so so much. Oh, sure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Oh, okay. All right. So, uh breaking news, the the cat was being nursed with the woman's breast on an airplane. Did she get kicked off? Okay, she was trying to force it. I'm not sure the breastfeeding like regulations passed for nursing mothers apply to cats. I I wouldn't think so. Oh, it's okay. It says she was kicked off. She was trying to force it to breastfeed and she was kicked off. That's incredible. Who does that? I need to look into the age of this cat because like... Never, never cease to be amazed by people for sure. No, no. And cat teeth? Uh Uh-uh. You ain't coming anywhere near these girls. Oh, um, it was an adult cat that was breastfeeding from the woman, and the woman, and the woman was kicked off, and that's incredible. She has to have some kind of infection in her boob, you would think. I can't even. Yeah, I can't even fathom what all the different consequences of. That. <laughs> <laughs> that's a Florida man story for sure. I'm trying to think if I know any weird, like horse. No, I don't. Mm-mm. A colleague of mine had a client come out completely naked on top. Like, so her boobs were just hanging out when they were at their appointment. But that's the closest I know of to like interaction with boobs and horses. So luckily we're spared. Why was she topless? Not sure. Not sure. Okay. That's just how she rolled. I think it was like flip-flops, shorts, and maybe like a mesh tank top. But that was it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, hey, you know, I guess it's I guess it's your house. <laughs> yeah. yeah she, she wasn't in public. <laughs> Thank God. Probably wouldn't have been for long if she had been. Was there um before we wrap it up, was there anything else you wanted to add or talk about or anything? No, I think that um it's been a fun chat and hopefully yeah, people can take a tip or two away and I'm sure that you guys all link to that study we discussed so people can learn a little bit more about that. And yeah, happy to chat with anyone further. Instagram's a good way to reach me or you can check me out at thewholeveterinarian.com. Definitely check her out. Very listenable when you're working around the house or just because funsies. I mean, always, you don't need a reason to do it. Just do it. We'll be right back with more Vet Candy. Hey, this is Dr. Julio Alonso, and I'm here to tell you about my new show on Pet Candy TV. You can learn all about how to take the best care of your pets. Stream at My Pet Candy 24-7 on YouTube, iTunes, and most other video platforms.
Thanks, Dr. Stacy. I appreciate you so much. This has been so much fun. And everybody, check her out. Thank you. Check her out. We'll link it in the show notes. This has been a fantastic show. Thank you so much for joining me. And thanks for listening. I love sharing these stories with you. If you enjoyed the show, please hit that subscribe button. You can always find me on Bet Candy and TikTok at Duskwitch. Until next time, make it a great day. It's Vet Candy. Vet Candy. Vet Candy. It's Vet Candy Radio.